All right, well, as Nate said, uh, we started off last week um, with a new series called Awake, um, and I thought it was a really great start to the year. It was, felt like a really cool service. Some of you weren't there. Um, you can always check it out on the podcast, which is on the website, if you want to have a listen in to what was going on. But the basic idea is that we, we wanted to kind of, we want to take the next few months as we head towards our one-year anniversary in April um, as a chance to prepare ourselves, prepare our hearts, prepare our minds for what God might be doing. Um, and He might be getting ready to do something pretty cool um, and to set a direction for us for our year two of existence um, in 2020 and what that's going to look like and, and how that's going to impact our community and stuff like that. So we wanted to kind of just do a little work in the next few months of both inputting from you guys where, where you think um, we can be in, involved in the community, needs that you see coming up. Um, we want to hear from as many people as possible. Um, but also preparing ourselves so that when God does do something, we're not sitting on the sideline, but we're connected in with him and we can see what's happening and, and we're part of it. Um, really what we want to do is we want to we kind of have this full life. Um, Jesus says in John 10, 10, we looked at that last week, that he says, I've come to give them life and life to the full. We want that full life and we want to be part of what God is doing. And so um, we, we talked about the first step in, in that journey of trying to figure out and trying to get a part of what God is doing is, is waking up. And, and waking up to God's presence in our lives. And so we looked at Ephesians 4, 5.14 and that cool little quote that Paul uh, pops in there. Paul wrote the book. He says, Wake up, sleeper, rise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. And this is the idea of rousing ourselves from this sort of spiritual slumber sometimes we're in um, and, and getting on track with God. So that's what the, the series is going to be about um, and if you were here last week, I gave you a little bit of a challenge, a one, two, three challenge, um, where you would uh, listen to one song, uh, Awake by Hillsong Worship, Awake My Soul, and pray for yourself and for one other person, and also uh, read a few verses. And um, I just wanted to take a second to see if anybody did that, and if they did, if anything came of that, or if there was anything you wanted to share about what that experience was like doing that sort of thing. doesn't have to be like this, you know, the seas parted and, you know, the dove came down and rested upon my head and, you know, it doesn't have to be anything like mind-blowing, but just if we did it, what was it like? What was it like to try and open yourself up to God in that space? This is the part where you guys talk. One of the things, new people, that you will discover about Church Northwest is we're trying to be less you just sit there, we talk at you, and more of a let's do this together, especially in this series, because I'm learning as much as anybody else. So if there's anything you want to share, questions you want to ask, things you want to pop in, this is a place where you can do that. And sometimes I'll ask you questions, and I want answers. Nate's going to kick things off. Yeah, a little bit 
Oh, that's cool. And she felt God. That's cool. You got to make me cry. <laughs> that's very cool. When an 11 year old has that kind of experience, that's life changing, right? That's when we connect in. Debbie. That's always fun. Yes. Yes. Yeah. sounds wonderful. Very cool. That's great. Um, hold that thought about colour too, waking up to colour. There's a, I, I, last week I, I was going to talk about a little bit, but um, the movie that had been running through my head a little bit was The Matrix. You guys seen The Matrix? Okay, we're movie buffs here. So in The Matrix, that whole theme is waking up to reality, right? Except reality stinks in that movie. It's dull, it's drab, it's, you know, it's grey, there's all of this grey and brown in the world. There's no colour, there's no life in the world. But they're saying reality that's bad is better than fantasy that is good, right? And so there's this theme, and I think a lot of people think of Christianity as like, all right, I've got to wake up to this dull, drab world now where I follow God and I'm just a machine and blah, blah, blah. But God calls us to wake up to his full colour and this beautiful existence that he calls us to. I'm going to talk a little bit more about that too. I, I'm glad you've mentioned color because I think that's a, that's a fun part of where we're going to go today. Anyone else? Yes? I've actually got two things. Okay. Um, the first one was when I listened to the song, Awake My Soul. Awake My Soul, yes. Yeah. Be patient with God, yep. Hey, there you go. That works. Sure. 
So God was changing the way that you were communicating with your son. That's amazing. What's incredible too about that, both of your stories, which are beautiful, thank you for sharing those, is that that's not what the song was about at all, right? I mean, the song wasn't about that stuff. It doesn't matter. God just uses that as an open a pathway into doing what he wants to do in your life. And that's the whole point of this series, this awakening, is that it's not that we will do this, then this, then this, but rather we would open ourselves up so that God can come in and say, right, let's got some plans for you this year. Maybe it's communication with your son or just letting me love you. Or maybe it's, you know, I'm just going to, maybe it's a color. I want you to see the color of, of my world that I've given you, you know. Maybe, who knows what it is? You know, for me, when I did it this week, I didn't have any of those experiences. I didn't, I didn't have this moment of like, wow, that was great. That's okay. That's all right. I did it. I'm opening myself up. For me, it's just this process of going through that process so that God can input into my life when he wants to, you know. We're putting ourselves out there. So that's what we're doing. Excellent. Thank you for sharing that. That's really, really encouraging to see that God's doing some stuff. And I think he's got more for this year, you know? And I'm not going to go and say what that is. I don't know what that is. But he's got some cool stuff that we can do this year that is going to change our lives as individuals, that can change us as a church community as we grow and move forward, and can change the community around us as we go and live that out as people see Jesus in us, and, and we can make an impact. So, all right, that's good. That's my, I'm encouraged today. Well done. That's great. Thank you. So let's continue on then. This, this um, next session is, is called Dawn. This is the first. We're going to go through the passage in Ephesians 5, 8 through 14. I'm going to uh, read that in a little bit. Um, but as we go through Ephesians 5 and, and 6 and different parts of that, we're going to see different sort of metaphors, if you will, about this waking up. And, you know, there's, there's stuff that's in the scripture that talks about certain things. We can kind of put a nice little image or metaphor on there to help us get a handle on it. Um, but some really cool things that can happen in our lives that will prepare us for what God is doing. Shall we get into it? All right. Let's do this. Ephesians chapter 5, starting in verse 8. This is uh, Paul, he wrote this letter, he's one of the apostles, he started a lot of churches, um, and big name in, in the New Testament. And he says to these people in the church of Ephesus, For you were once darkness, or once in darkness, depending on your translation, but now you are light in the Lord. Live as children of light. For the fruit of the light consists in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. And find out what pleases the Lord. Have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. 
It is shameful even to mention what the disobedient do in secret, but everything is exposed by the light. Everything exposed by the light becomes visible, and everything that is illuminated becomes a light. This is why it is said, and here's our little catchphrase Wake up, sleeper, rise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Such strong imagery darkness and light. So, um, I don't know how familiar you are with nocturnal animals, animals that live at night. They're pretty amazing. Uh, there's, I was looking up some, some animals that live in the dark and, and how God has gifted them to be able to adapt and live. So there's a picture up here of some raccoons, you know, with the little glowy devil eyes, you know. Raccoons have, and other nocturnal animals, in their eyes, they have more rods than cones, which means a lot to you, right? So rods let in a lot of light, cones let in color. We have a lot of cones in our little, little receptor cones in our eyes so we can see color. You know, just part of that thing you're talking about. Um, whereas nocturnal animals don't have as many of those. So they don't see it to see color, but they have more rods, which lets in so much more light. And they have this little reflective coating behind the retina that bounces light back into those cones. So they came a double dose of light, which is why their eyes look like they're glowing. That's like a mirror at the back of their eyes. So they can see so much more at night, right? Then you've got um, bats um, and other nocturnal animals. They have echolocation. It's like a little radar. They send out signals and it bounces back and they can find out what's going on in the dark. You've got um, owls who have really good hearing by God has given them ears in slightly different angles, so they're not even on their heads, so that the sound comes in at different places and they can locate things better um, because of the sound. It's pretty amazing to me. And then there's animals like the fox and, again, the raccoon that have enhanced smell. They say that a fox's ability to smell is comparable to our ability to see. So they're that able to use smell to detect the world around them as we are by looking. That's pretty impressive. And then there's animals like the firefly squid who live so deep in the ocean that they never see the light. So they make their own light, which is pretty amazing. And so they can attract prey or mates or whatever by, by luminescence, which is pretty amazing. So God has given these animals all of these special abilities to be able to function in the darkness, yes? Well, as someone who has stabbed, stubbed their toe on the corner of the bed, getting up to get a drink in the middle of the night, right? I can say for certain, I am not a nocturnal animal. We do not belong in the darkness. Right? We don't function well in the darkness. With the obvious exception of teenagers, humans are day-dwelling people. We're day-dwelling animals. That is what we are. And so I know this is kind of an, an imagery, but this concept of removing ourselves from the dark and living in the light is a theme of the book of Ephesians. In fact, a theme of the whole Bible. All throughout history, God has used this imagery of darkness and light to show the difference between a life without Him and a life with Him. In fact, what is the first words we hear from God in the Bible. Let there be light. That's God's first line in the play, is let there be light. 
and he defines himself as light. It's this major thing. Evil is nocturnal. God is a day dweller, right? That's the theme that comes through in this. And so as we look to kind of wake ourselves up, what we need is we need to embrace this transition from darkness into light or a dawn, if you will. When we wake up, we come out of the darkness. When we're sleeping, we sleep in the darkness. We wake up into the new day. Or in my case, we wake up well into the new day. And it's a lot light. So, I mean, this, right from the very beginning of our passage, Paul says it simply. You were once in darkness. Now you are in light. So, it's interesting, actually, because some translations say you were once darkness. Others say you were once in darkness. I think they're both true, actually. I think they're both pretty accurate. So as we go through this passage, there's a, there's a couple of different sections of this passage. The first 8 to 10, which is up on the screen right now, I want to kind of dwell on that for a little bit, is talking about embracing the light, not the darkness, right? And there's some questions that we can ask as we go through that will help us to ponder this and to process this together. And the first thing that he mentions is you were once darkness. So the question is, what have we been brought out from? Now, I don't want to assume everybody's um, spiritual journey here. Um, so some people have made different levels of commitments to God and to Christianity. So Paul is talking to people who have decided to become Christians. They are Christians, they're living that life, and he's describing what has happened to them in that transition. And he says, you were once in darkness. But what does that mean? What have we been brought out from? What does it mean to come out of darkness? I think we all have stories that we can relate to. I want to tell you a little bit of a story about myself and what God has saved me from. Um, I had a bit of a rough time in intermediate um, you know that time and age where you're trying to discover who you are in terms of how people react to you? You know, am I popular? Do people like me? They didn't, which didn't go well for me. And so I had a real tough time. So coming into high school, there was this determination to become acceptable to my peers. So I fell into the wrong crowd of people. You know, it starts out little stuff, you know, a little bit of alcohol, a few cigarettes, moves on to partying, binge drinking, drugs, you name it, petty theft. And I just continued down this road and it got worse and worse and worse as it does. And then I just ended up living this life, chasing after this, trying to get this next thing, just completely without God. Then one day I was under the influence driving down the road, missed the curb, hit a tree. And that was it. I was gone. Went before God. And I said, I grew up in a Christian family. And he says, I don't know you. Away from me. And that was it. I was eternally separated from him. Or maybe, maybe it was, I didn't even make it out of high school because... My depression was really, really bad, and I didn't have any friends, so I took my life. Maybe I, I, I lived a long time. 
Maybe I had a job, maybe I did all of that sort of stuff, maybe I looked pretty normal on the outside, but I was just empty. Either way, I ended up, the end of my life, facing a God who said, I don't know you, you never chose me. Obviously, these things didn't happen to me. These are the things that Jesus saved me from. By choosing me when I was young, and by me choosing him when I was young. That's what I've been saved from. And I'm not trying to be flippant towards people who are dealing with these things. This is true. Because when we think about how we have been pulled out of darkness, we are not just thinking about the lives we left behind. We are thinking about the potential lives we chose not to lead. Yes? That is the darkness that we has pulled us out from. And so for people like me, I grew up in the church. My parents did a really good job. You know, and and I never dealt with that stuff. And I'm thankful to the Lord, but I know if not for the grace of God, there goes I, right? I'm that story. Any one of those stories could easily have been true of me. That is what I've been saved from. That is the darkness for me. Your stories will be different, but at the same time, very similar. Darkness is the absence of God in our lives, right? That is the definition of darkness as we see in the Bible. It doesn't look like darkness to many people. It doesn't look like darkness often until way down that track. But darkness is simply a place where we don't acknowledge who God is. We deny him. We live lives based on us. We call that sin. We call that rebellion. We call that a lot of things. And it leads one place. In the Bible, at the very end of the Bible, we don't often like to talk about this, but it describes this moment where everyone comes before God and he judges the world. I want to read a little part of that. I saw the dead, great and small, standing before the throne. Everybody. The books were opened. Another book was opened, which is the book of life. The dead were judged according to what they had done as recorded in the books. The book of life is those who have chosen to follow him. Anyone whose name was not found written in the book of life was thrown into the lake of fire. That is what darkness is. But I want you to see it's not just heaven and hell. It is an absence of God in our lives, a separation of God in our lives. It is when we live for ourselves, if we live with ourselves in charge, we are actually tearing away at what it means to be human. Because we were made, the Bible says, in the image of God. We were made to be his children. We were made to be part of his family. We were made to follow him. And when we don't do that, we are tearing away at our very human nature. That is darkness. And by choosing God, by choosing to follow him, that is what we have been saved out of. And it would behoove us, if I can use that word, not from the 50s, but whatever, it would behoove us to remember that often. It kind of wakes us up a little bit just thinking about what I would be without God in my life. But as Paul says, it's not just out of the darkness, if you go to the next slide, Beth, but now you are light. So that's the second question. 
We know what we're brought out of, but what have we been brought into? It's not just brought out of darkness and left there, but we're brought into light. The very next part of the book of Revelation, I mean, literally, the next few verses go like this. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look, God's dwelling place is now among people, and he will dwell with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. And again, there's this this beautiful transition from guilt to forgiveness. But it's not just that. It's from brokenness to healing. It's from loneliness and separation to family. We will be his people and he will dwell with us. Our humanity will be restored because we will be in family relationship with God. That's what we are brought into. There's this beautiful sense of what light is, not just in the future after we die, but now we are part of his family. That's pretty cool to me. But then here's the next question. And this is where it all comes down to. Will we live as if all of that were actually true? Will we live as if we were actually in the light? It's an easier question to ask than answer if we're answering honestly. And it's a journey. Obviously, we're not always going to be perfect and we're not always going to be right and doing the right things. But there is the sense that we ask ourselves, part of our sense of waking up, part of our new dawn, is this idea of, am I going to live in the new day? Or am I going to stay in the night? And who will we seek to follow and please? That's the last bit. Who will we seek? Those two are, are, are connected. Because our life in the darkness was based on our living to please ourselves. And that sounds really selfish. It's not like we're hedonistic necessarily. But we are making our decisions based on what we think is right. That's what that means. It doesn't always mean you know, hoarding wealth or, you know, there are some really philanthropic, giving, caring people who are still making decisions based on what they think is right. That's darkness because God is not there and God is light, right? Does that make sense? So when we say we're living for ourselves, that doesn't always mean being caring and giving or being selfish. It means who is making the decisions in my life? Who am I living for? All right, so then Paul, having gone through this, making this very, this is simple sort of gospel stuff. This is, this is the story of who we are as Christians. He then takes the next step and he says, don't just live in the light, but rather expose, if you go to the next part there, Dad, you expose, all right, next one. Next one, there we go. Have nothing to do with those fruitless deeds of the darkness, but expose them. Why? Why expose them? Why not just, we're, we're walking away, I'm not doing that anymore moving forward in God. There's a lot of stuff to unpack in this, but there is a story I want to kind of relate this to. 
Um, back in the 16th century, there was a guy by the name of Hernan Cortez. Who's heard of Cortez? Okay, he was a conquistador. And he came from Spain and he basically pillaged Mexico and the Aztecs. That's not a good part of his story. But one thing that he did is when he sailed to the New World and he landed, all of his, pig, uh, his boys got off and then he burned the ships. He just burnt them. Why did he burn them? Because he did not want any reason for his men to go back to where they came from. It was a statement, we're here. I'm burning the ships. We're stuck. We've got to make it work. Right? When we expose the things that are part of our darkness, something happens because sometimes we want to do what is right. We kind of want to keep this thing here, back here, just in case. But if I tell people about this, it's out there. It's in the open. The light has shone on it. And I can't go back to that place. It's not my secret little place anymore. So I expose it. I set it on fire. The world can see it. And we've got to be careful about the place. I'm not going to sit up here and expose all of my darkness to you. Not in this setting. But we've got to find those settings where we can do that. That's why we've been talking about peer connections. Getting together one-on-one with people that you trust, where we can get into each other's lives. This is my darkness. This is what I deal with. This is what is going to pull me back into the night. Here, see it. So that will help me. Right? We expose it. We burn those ships in that sense. So I really deeply encourage you to get together with people, get together in small groups. We've got a couple of small groups going at the moment, and we're looking to start some more. These are great communities where we can help expose the darkness in our lives in a loving, compassionate, we're together and we're not judging each other kind of way. And it's not about all of this accountability, so we're going to make each other do the right thing. That's not helpful, but it's about loving each other. It's about open communication. It's about not hiding who we are from the people we love around us, but exposing that so that light can go into every area of our lives. Like a new dawn. The beautiful thing about the dawn and the sun is it just, it's everywhere. The night is complete darkness. But when the sun comes up, those shadows get chased away, and there's light everywhere. Even under the trees and in the stuff, you know, there's light. There's shadows, but there's still light. This is the new dawn that we can have, where God is part of our lives. So part of that may mean working hard on the things in our lives. Uh, exposing darkness to people is, is hard work. It's hard, hard work. But I want you to see something else in here too. Part of this is working and putting in effort, but part of it is stopping and just letting God love us. Love the verse where it says, Be still and know that I am God. His dawn is here, whether we get into it or not, right? He has dawned a new day. The first part of Ephesians 5 8, it says, You were in darkness, now you are in light. These are statements of fact. And there is not a lot of effort you can do one way or the other to make those change. That it's true. So part of this is resting and knowing that the truth is we are in light. We have been forgiven. There is no darkness in us that can overcome the light of this new day. 
Isn't that beautiful? Isn't that a wonderful feeling to just stop and know? And that leads me to the challenge. I'm going to finish with this. This week, if you didn't do the one, two, three challenge last week and you're keen to do that, go ahead, do it. And you can keep doing it, whatever you want to do, but I want to add another little one. This is a one-time thing, or you can do it more often, it's up to you. But I would like you one morning, you know where I'm going with this, to get up and see the dawn. Okay, now I know work schedules may cause that some difficulties, but we have Saturdays and stuff. You can do it before church next Sunday. Um, but just get up in time. It's about 6.30, 6.45 is the dawn. You can look it up online. But get up in time to experience the dawn. And I want you to experience it with all your senses. Okay, so I'm not going to have a song for you to listen to. You're not reading passages. You can do all those stuff if you want. But I just want you to see the light come into the darkness in that new day and watch the shadows get chased away by it. I want you to feel the warmth of that sun on your face. I want you to hear the world waking up. There was this beautiful moment this morning as I was coming to church, where actually it was a bit of sunrise, and I could hear crickets and I could hear cicadas at the same time. It was, it was pretty cool, because the world was waking up. And darkness was still there, the night was still doing its thing, but there was a change, a transition, and I want you to experience that transition. As you do that, I want you to pray and thank God for that dawn and for what it means in our lives and pray that he would help us wake up to that in our own lives, that it would become a reality, that we would live as if we were living in the light. So that's our challenge this morning. Next week, we're going to talk about alarm clock. That'll be fun. All right, let me pray for us, and um, then Nate's going to come up and sing. Very, very quickly, he's going to do that. Sorry, that went a little bit longer. I blame you. Anyway. All right, Lord, I just I thank you for the new day in our lives. We experience you in different ways. Our journey with you is not the same, and so my sense of what your light looks like is different from other people. And my sense of darkness is different too because some people are going through some really difficult things. We've already prayed about them this morning. So we have this sense of impending doom sometimes, impending darkness, and darkness has this hold on us, and Satan is trying to keep us in his grasp, and it's a fight sometimes. And we feel like that we're not doing enough. So give us peace. It is not a coincidence, Lord, that the sunrise is one of the most peaceful parts of the day. As this new day dawns and this light comes into the world and your light is in our lives and we are looking forward to a, a day of living in you and seeing what your day brings for us. It's just an image. Our lives are never quite that simple, but we can rest knowing that you are the light in our lives if we just hold on to you. It's in your name we pray. Amen.